What's up, buds? Sending it back in along the left-hand side. 7.40 to go. Puck in front. Connolly with a chance. And they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! Eller gets the rebound and puts it home. And Washington leads it. 4-3 with 7.37 to go. The Tiger pouncing at the moment that he can potentially be the hero. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today, uh, I had to take a week hiatus last week because we had a guest fall through. But uh, I am excited to be joined by uh, Alex Irving of uh, Japers Rink and uh, the uh, kind of Washington Capitals uh, community. So, uh, Alex, how have you been doing lately? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I know we were talking a little before about uh, last night, and uh, I try not to put politics in terms of a pure electoral sense on the show as much. Uh, but I will say, uh, I you know slept uh, slept okay last night, so I'll, yes. I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep it at that. But uh, but so so uh, so Alex, uh, how have how have uh, you been doing? Uh, you know, kind of kind of lately with things. Uh, doing all right. I've been doing some. Some fun recaps for Japers Rink. I got to recap uh, the Oilers game. That which, one was fun. Which was fun. I have had some stinkers in the past. So yeah. recapping not only a win, but a win where the offense showed up was yeah. was a good time. Absolutely. And it kind of had a, uh, you know, a little bit of a star versus star type feel, which I think is it's just always fun. You know, when you have like Connor McDavid pulling goals like he did yesterday, going through like three players, you know, and it's uh, it, it, it was kind of fun. So let's let's kind of talk, I guess. Let's start the podcast on a fun note. Uh, the Caps played the Oilers last night, and I think it's safe to say they actually played pretty well. Like, they, the Oilers are a good team that was struggling a little bit. Uh, obviously a very top-heavy team, and I think that kind of showed a little bit. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the Caps seem to hang in there a little bit. You know, they obviously get the, get the couple of goals that they need late and everything like that, and kind of had a lead for a lot of the night. So, kind of, what, what were your thoughts on the game last night, uh, and kind of the Caps' performance? Uh, well, I, I like what you said about the star matchup with McDavid and Ovechkin. It was almost like they were feeding off of each other and, you know, Ovechkin saw McDavid do something cool and he said, oh, well, I can still do that too. Like that between the legs pass to, to, who was it, Kuznetsov? Yep, yep, Kuznetsov to to ice the game. That was unreal. But, but I thought, I thought they looked good. They, they got some help from the power play. Uh, which was nice. Uh, that has looked good recently. And I think they, the whole team just kind of stepped up in that game in a way that they maybe hadn't in recent games. Yes. And they got some consistency going, which I think has been kind of an issue. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask because I mean obviously you know let's kind of zoom out but still keep on team play. Uh, the Capitals are coming off a you know a four straight losses before that game. Obviously a couple you know getting some points here and there in overtime and uh, shootout loss to to the Hurricanes, but obviously some also very disappointing kind of losses in there too. Cough cough Arizona, although they actually <laughs> played okay in that game I think. Uh, so I don't know. I mean like I think. It's been weird because I will say from kind of an under the hood perspective, the Caps play, I think, has gotten actually a little bit better. Uh, but 
it's not you wouldn't exactly say even advanced that wise that they're anywhere where they need to be at but at the same time, I mean, you lose four in a row. They're still, like, kind of in the playoff picture, and it's still early. So, I don't know. Kind of, what are your kind of I'll, – I'll use a, a term that the young people use that you probably use that I don't. But but how are the vibes of the Washington Capitals right now? <laughs> I think the vibes are inconsistent because yes. when they're when they're good, they're really good. They've got these flashes of excellence going, but then – it's like that disappears. And I think part of that could be due to the fact that the lineup is never the same uh, because of all of the injuries, which is a whole separate issue. But I think it's hard to kind of get that consistency going when they're not playing with the same guys every night. I also think that there are a couple of players who have been in the lineup every night, like Kuznetsov and Anthony Mantha, that need to step up more consistently. I mean, Kuznetsov had a great game against the Oilers, so possibly that's a good sign. But again, that's those flashes of excellence, but not consistent, that I think is kind of at the root of their struggles. Because like you said, statistically, maybe it's not a dire situation, but it is kind of frustrating to see the moments where they're really good. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's like, where did, where did that go? Yeah. And I, I would almost say too, that one thing that I kind of have thought about a little too, is that obviously with the Caps having a lot of injuries, uh, they're an old team, so it's not a huge shock. And we'll get to the injuries in a little bit, but you would think with a lot of the injuries, there's obviously a lot of pressure on, what I would kind of call like a little bit of the new core of the Washington Capitals. Like maybe you want to put Kuznetsov and Mantha in there a little bit. You know, I I think you could even maybe kind of argue that Dylan Strome, even though they only have him signed for the year, is kind of becoming that kind of piece. And so there's a lot of pressure that kind of gets put on those players, you know, with the injuries that the Capitals have had, particularly in the forward ranks. And, you know, if they're going to be inconsistent as a result, that just means the Caps are going to lose games, right? You know, because there's mm-hmm. going to be – if An- the Caps need Anthony Mantha to score goals. They need they need first-line center of getting Kuznetsov to be first-line center of getting Kuznetsov, right? Because there right. is – not the kind of depth that the Caps are used to. I mean, Lars Eller is not, you know, I think, think I think things are starting to kind of look a little dire there, you know, and uh, they just don't have the same kind of depth in that, in a lot of their positions that they used to. So, I don't know, to me, it kind of sees like the Caps need their, you know, I won't call it the new core, but, you know, some of these players that maybe could get away with being a little inconsistent. They really need them to show up, I think, on a more consistent basis, no? Yeah, I agree. I would also throw Connor Sherry in there. He yeah. was so good to start the season, and I feel like he's been invisible lately. Mm-hmm. Um, he was leading the team in scoring at one point, and I feel like we haven't heard from him. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that it's almost like you know they're they're second tier, not quite stars, but they're yeah. they're second tier big players can't afford to be inconsistent right now with the way that the lineup is. 
Yes, agreed, agreed, agreed. All right, so we are going to go through the injuries of the Washington Capitals, a segment How that much uh, time do you I do have? not like to do, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, they are, they are uh, like, what, what are the, I think not the oldest, but but second oldest right team in hockey at this point. So uh, it's yeah. kind of one of those things that we, uh, it's the unenviable task of a Washington Capitals podcast to uh, go on <laughs> and start listing all about their Capitals and their old players. So, and, and then maybe breaking down a little bit. So let's start with, <laughs> Um, and, and, and there is recent news about this. Uh, obviously, the Capitals lost TJ Oshie, I think it was five games ago. Uh, and it seems like the Laviolette said, uh, in kind of contentious manner a little bit, that uh, his, his injury was going to be longer term. But he was skating today. Uh, and right. I actually was doing things today. So I don't know. Like, I mean, first off, what do you think of the impact of TJ Oshie? And then two, I mean, I was surprised to see him skating, but it would seem like a big deal if they could get him back at least relatively soon. Yeah, it, it was definitely good to see him out on the ice. And I think Laviolette said he was at least progressing, which is yeah. a good sign, however vague that may be. I think, I think really with Oshi, what they're missing is the leadership that he brings mm -hmm. to the lineup and the locker room and out on the ice. I think that that he has become kind of this staple personality for the team. And without him in the lineup, it feels like, you know, they're not they're not quite feeling it as well as yeah. they were. They just don't have that same kind of push, you know, like exactly. if you're, if you're down a third and a goal, you know, like he, like there's not many, I mean, obviously OC was struggling. I think it's safe to say to start of the year, but you know, there, there's just some guys that just kind of have that, that edge to their game that OC really brings every night. Yeah. Yeah. You hear, you hear coaches and executives talk about the non-tangibles for yeah. hockey players. And I think Oshi brings a lot of those in addition to, you know, offensive pop sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think his, his personality is a big loss for them at the moment, especially with other leadership figures out of the lineup as well. Yeah. Agreed. 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 All right. So let's then move on to John Carlson, who is, uh, has been out a little bit now, but, uh, is skating and it seems like he's kind of on the path back but uh i i don't know i mean with carlson he i think it's safe to say was struggling at the start of the year particularly mm -hmm. defensively where uh i i'll give a little peek behind the curtains actually john carlson was not as bad defensively the last couple of years as people thought but uh mm. it was kind of a little bit of the the mistakes getting magnified and he makes a lot of them uh you know kind of yes. really showing there but this year he was struggling defensively and uh now i you know, I, obviously he was, he then got hurt and I don't know, like, I think it's been an inconsistent year for John Carlson and we'll talk about this a little later, but the Caps power play doesn't actually seem to have really missed him as much as I would have maybe thought. So I don't know, like, I guess I, this is kind of an open-ended thought, but like, you know, kind of what are the impacts of losing Carlson and, uh, you know, it, when, what do you think he needs to do differently when he gets back? I think I think it is interesting that the numbers maybe don't reflect the sometimes glaring mistakes that he makes on yes. the ice. <laughs> um, because sometimes, you know, you look at him and he was a Norris Trophy finalist and all of a sudden it's like he's forgotten how to play defense. Uh, yeah. But I, I agree with the point that you made about the power play. I was expecting 
a, a much larger effect on the power play with him out of the lineup, but that hasn't been the case in a very pleasant way. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't know. I think that the other kind of effect of him being out of the lineup is, and it, it was, I think, uh, more noticeable when Orlov was still in the lineup. Now that Orlov is injured, the defensive pairings are, are, you know, all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I think that having him injured kind of added to that lack of consistency where it, you know, the, the defensive pairings get shaken up and, you're skating with someone who you're not used to working with and it's harder to communicate and it just kind of, it, it makes things kind of messy almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, right? Cause I mean, you know, it obviously one of the, one of the impacts you would say before also losing Orlov is that, you know, if, if you're just, you know, having Orlov is kind of your number one defenseman there, they're already skating him, you know, lots and lots of minutes. And, you know, all of a sudden you throw on PP one time to Orlov's game and, you know, at a certain point, you know, a like late twenties defenseman is only going to have so much ice time he can handle. Uh, you right. know, so that, that, you know, that would be one you would kind of say, but I, you know, I don't know. I think it's, it's been interesting to me because obviously there's holes in Carlson's game. Right. Like we know mm-hmm. what they are. But for you know, a long time, he was kind of able, I would say, to score his way through those. And with that maybe not being as reflected as early in the year, I don't know. It kind of seemed to me that the the holes in his game that were already there seem to just get even a little more magnified. Yeah. When he's not, you know, piling up the points and scoring goals, it's it's easier to focus on, yes. on the bad <laughs> parts. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's kind of kind of yeah, an obvious point I made, but I guess a true one. But I guess I get one other thing before we kind of I, I guess we kind of hit on the Orlov one. So let's touch on that real quick and then I, I kinda wanna branch off into a slightly different point. But uh Orlov is a very important defender for the Washington Capitals that uh, I think anyone who listens to this podcast at least once knows my my thoughts on the importance of Dimitri Orlov <laughs> to the Washington Capitals overall structure and kind of how they shape a lot of the defense. And so he had been getting better and now he's hurt also. Uh, although it looks like Orlov is going to be back, I think in the next week or so. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Orlov is someone that I think is a kind of dynamic player in a way that is interesting for a guy who really doesn't actually put up all that many points. So I don't know, like I, it, it, to me, it was interesting that losing both Orlov and Carlson at the same time, right? Because it kind of forces the Caps to try some different looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I agree, you know, Orlov doesn't necessarily pile up the points. If, you know, you've got a point heavy fantasy league, he's not going to be your top choice, but he still manages to drive offense anyway. And, and you're right. I think that that losing him and Carlson at the same time, just kind of threw a wrench in their defensive plans. Uh, It, it also means that we don't get to see the Orlov Jensen pairing out on the ice, which is so good. Yeah. They crushed their minutes last year. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, but well, kind of the offshoot point that I wanted to make, though, and I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts about this, too, is that, 
one of the, I, I wouldn't say an upside to having a lot of injuries, but one thing it does do is kind of force a team like the Capitals that likes their rotations and tends to kind of opt towards stability, I would say, particularly with defensemen, but I think also with forwards in an extent too, is it forces you to kind of try some different looks and try to see if players are ready or not for the prime time. And I mean, there's been a couple of interesting examples to that. You know, I I think for one of a Trevor Van Riemsdyk, for instance, who has basically been forced to play almost first pair minutes, and I think has been better than I would have thought. So I don't know, I guess it's kind of interesting, though, to see a lot of these players, maybe in roles that the Caps wouldn't have predicted, but it, it almost to me seems like it could be an upside to at least see what this roster is and kind of see their, their, their uh, you would say, kind of looks when they're when they're given a different kind of role. No? No, I, I totally agree. And I, I am a noted Trevor Van Riemsdyk fan. Uh, I was really excited when the Caps signed him, and I think it's great that he is getting the opportunity to step up. I also think it's been great to see Eric Gustafsson step up. He was signed as, you know, a third pair defenseman, and now (laughs) he's as the sixth defenseman, (laughs) right? You would say, right? You know, some people were even speculating that he might be the odd man out, Mm -hmm. but but now he's getting top pair minutes, and he's quarterbacking the power play and he's looking great and it has been really cool to see these players who might not have had an opportunity to step up and show what they can do to do so absolutely no, no no that makes sense and uh you know i think it's 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 definitely been interesting and i think it's the injuries i think have kind of forced the caps both to stick with the rookies in the lineup with one giant exception and uh i will take this pot uh this opportunity to say we are not going to talk about connor mcleckel on this podcast i think we have time i think collectively we're all kind of tired of this question and he hasn't actually been very good in the minutes that he's played so we're we're gonna we're gonna skip over that for now but um you know but at the same time it has been interesting to see players like maybe a Dylan Strom even to kind of flip it on the other side of the ice that I was gonna ask you about him a little bit you know of a guy who really the Caps need to kind of step up in a big way and almost play you know I wouldn't say one C minutes but almost like a kind of like a, like a second first line center in a way, you know? And uh, I don't know, I've, I've been impressed with Dylan Strom, I think particularly lately, you know, obviously we all have uh, his dominant game against the Oilers in, but I don't know, I've been I've been impressed with Dylan Strom lately. Have you? I, I have as well. He has been so fun to watch. I think he was kind of an underrated offseason acquisition. And I think, yeah, his game against the Oilers was incredible and he's been great on the power play. Uh, I think he's kind of helped revitalize that, Uh, but he seems to be fitting in really, really well. And I know that he has some history with a couple of Caps players, one of them being, of course, Connor Brown, who is injured as well. Yeah. But he, (laughs) He is kind of, there hasn't been like an awkward learning curve for him. It seems like he has just kind of slid right into the lineup and is just chugging along at that, you know, not quite 2C, but like 1B. Yeah, I like that. He's he's the 1B. I I like that. He's the the 1BC, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, and then I, before the uh, before the break, and then after we're gonna talk uh, a little bit, kind of more about Capitals fandom questions. Uh, 
I, I was going to ask you about the Caps power play because it's uh, it's been ticking up. Uh, you know, I I'm going to not talk and speculate on this one as much, and I'm just going to ask uh, kind of what you've been seeing about the Caps power play because it seems like it's been doing better lately. It has, which is a welcome change from last season. Yes, <laughs> it was almost painful at times last year. Uh, I think part of it is that their struggle last year was that it was getting so stagnant and they were doing the same thing. Every power play, it looked exactly the same opponents knew exactly what to expect. And of course, even when you do know an Alex Ovechkin shot is coming, sometimes you simply can't stop it. But um, I think the, the fresh faces on the power play, you've got Marcus Johansson back uh, makes a huge difference, especially for zone entries, the caps, Mm -hmm really missed that when he was gone for a while. And then Dylan Strom, like I said, has looked great. Eric Gustafsson quarterbacking the top power play unit has looked incredible. Yeah, he's a better passer than I would have thought, no? That that has been, I think, the most pleasant surprise in regard to the power play so far. And I think that he is making a very strong case for himself once players like Orlov and Carlson come back into the lineup, I think LaViolette is going to have to kind of make a decision there because he has looked excellent. His passing is great. Puck movement is great. And his awareness is, is very, very good. Yeah. And I mean, you would also say too, like, I mean, obviously the caps as their kind of traditional power play unit, you know, that it had really been for the last five years didn't exactly feature the most dynamic of skaters or, you know, they really, really struggled with zone entries, right? You know, and it was mm-hmm. to the point where you look and I'll, I'll do kind of a little look behind the curtain a little here stat wise that their shot generation just wasn't there on the power play, just not mm-hmm. to the consistent level that it needed to be. And I mean, obviously I expect the caps to shoot well, uh, have a high shooting percentage on the power play. You have Alex Ovechkin and kind of the system they run with getting bumper shots is going to, I think, lead to a, higher than average, you know, uh, shooting percentage. But at the same time, you need to at least generate some shots. And the Caps just weren't doing it to the extent that they needed to. And so it's, I think it's been interesting, too, to see kind of the impact of different personnel, both on, you know, running different kind of schemes, which when you have different players, it gives you kind of the opportunity to shake up the looks. But also just, I think, adding a kind of different element of speed and, you know, maybe not the same skill, but at least some kind of different ability to move players around the ice in a manner that maybe the the Capitals five that they had had for the last five years maybe was starting to stagnate a little bit. No? Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was getting kind of sluggish almost. Yeah. And now they've got the new faces, the the slightly speedier skaters and <laughs> yeah you wouldn't exactly you know, call Dylan Strom a burner but you know he, <laughs> he definitely is I guess faster than uh Nicholas Backstrom right now yes yeah well that that's yeah. for sure um yes. but but yeah it, it has definitely made a huge difference and I think it has kind of also allowed them to be more creative on the power play. And and like you said earlier, they're trying new things and new looks. And when yeah. you're not working with the same five skaters you've been working with for however many years, it it's almost easier to do that. Yeah. 
Agreed. 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 And, you know, I think that I think you've also seen a little bit of a revitalization of, of, of Genikus Netsov on the power play now that they're asking him to do different things. It's maybe making him a little less bored, which is uh, I think <laughs> a good thing for all of us, I would say. Yes. Um, so with that, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, uh, I am going to ask Alex about something that a lot of Capital Sands, I think, are curious about. And uh, I will leave it at that. So uh, with that, stay tuned. Welcome back to J4Junk Radio. Still here with Alex. And uh, Alex, I am going to ask you, uh, we are now in the second half of the show. And uh, I am, I, I, I try to, I think, be somewhat circumspect with uh you know, public events. Obviously, I've done uh, episodes of the podcast before about them, you know, and it's I think it's something that I, I think it's important as a sports fan to not just shut out the rest of the world. Uh, and so I, I think I'm going to ask you about uh, I, I'm not going to ask you about your thoughts on Elon Musk taking over Twitter, because I think <laughs> we've all kind of seen the impacts of how that works. But I think I, an interesting thing, I think, is obviously you're very involved in Caps Twitter. And I think it's a big part, I would say, for both of us in a way, although me less so since moving to Europe, about how we watch games as a fan. You know, and I think it's, I, I'm kind of curious, like, obviously, I think, like, I'm still participating a little bit. I know you still are a little too. But, like, do you anticipate... I, I, I'm going to ask this in two parts, but but part one is, uh, do you anticipate changing, like, how you use Twitter during games or any kind of thing since we've seen maybe, you know, the potential changes to Twitter and how, you know, it could impact things? Uh, so, I, I mean, <laughs> that's a very interesting question. I think yeah. that, I mean, the whole Twitter thing is, like, no one really knows what's happening Right yes. now, because it seems like every time you look, something like a new rule is being made and a new verification thing is happening. Um, I think so. I honestly don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the way that fans interact and watch hockey and and kind of participate in hockey fandom. Okay. Um, the way at least the way that things are laid out now, I think that that the impact is going to be more on uh, on journalists and people who cover the team, sure. and and kind of you know navigating the new whatever they may be verification you know standards whatever. But I think for fans, unless you know, and then there is the possibility that people will start to leave Twitter, in which case I think things will be very different. But yeah. but I think that, you know, Caps Twitter and hockey sports, even Twitter as a whole, is just kind of going to roll with it. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think that, you know, at least the fans that I interact with on Twitter, it's often not a very serious discussion it's you know <laughs> just kind of basically yelling about what's happening during games and news that is breaking and and i think that people enjoy that sense of almost it's like a little online community it's um, like an escape valve in a way you know that like we all can kind exactly. of enjoy it together you know yeah and and i think that unless 
you know, people start leaving, which I know is happening. I work in communications and we've been monitoring our Twitter followers and, you know, our account is losing followers because people are just leaving the platform. Sure. But, but, you know, as it stands right now, I think that Caps Twitter is just going to keep doing its thing, however yeah. weird that thing may be. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I, I think the the second kind of part of this, because I, I think I, I'm, I'm mostly with you, you know, I think that obviously we're all going to, I think I have to be a little careful in terms of, uh, you know, if there's people that aren't really meeting the standards of, you know, I, I would say like if people are being assholes, like I think, you know, we're going to try, I think I would imagine you feel the same way as I do here that, you know, we're going to, I think it's important to reaffirm the commitment, you know, that we all have to fans that are not, you know, white dudes, right. Of trying to make mm-hmm. it, I think it accepting and, and, you know, engaging place for people to be right. Because I think that is something I've appreciated and kind of miss a little bit about not watching, being able to really watch games live anymore is that, you know, there, there is a sense of community to it. And I think, I, the one thing I, I would, the only the only kind of point I would raise, because I, I think I mostly agree with you, is just that I think we're just going to need to be careful about making sure that it's still the kind of place that we want to be, right? Because obviously there's concerns that people might not be getting booted off Twitter for conduct that, frankly, they should be, right? And I think that that's going to mm-hmm. be something that all of us have fans, and particularly ones that are on Twitter, but even ones that aren't and just see behavior that is bad and shitty, you know, uh, that we all kind of just need to make sure that we're in a position where we're both calling it out, but I think more importantly, supporting people that are subject to that kind of behavior. Yeah, no, I that's an excellent point. I totally agree. I think we're all going to have to be more aware of that kind of behavior and, and yeah. be really proactive about calling it out and doing what we can to kind of either, you know, try and, you know, report them or whatever, or just support the people who are being affected by said bad behavior. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and then I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious too. I mean, and, and now that we can reflect on this a little bit, I mean, like, I, I think it's it's interesting to think about the role of a Twitter in terms of being a sports fan, right? Because I think it's, and, and I, you know, I would say it's it's unique to Twitter in a way that you can kind of react to an event in a, in a shared sense of community, right? Because I mean, I am I'm on Instagram a little bit, you know, I don't really use Facebook because I'm, you know, uh, not of a certain age, I guess, at this point, you know, <laughs> and I, you know, I, th- I think it's, 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 it's interesting how, and I think that's one of the fun parts about sports is that it's easier with a platform like Twitter, that's kind of a short post, you know, group, and it can get out there a little that, you know, to kind of see how things happen in real time, right, be able to have that shared experience together. One of the parts that I've missed a little bit about not being able to watch games live, uh, live games, you know, is to kind of that sense of community that we all have. And I think that's something that I don't know about you, but I think it, it, it has, I think it, it's weird to say, because I know we all kind of talk about Twitter as a cesspool, but I think for me, it's actually been, and, and again, my experience here is different because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a white male, right? And obviously that matters in terms of how, what I receive on the platform compared to what a lot of other people that aren't in the same advantageous position receive. But I don't know, I, I, I can't speak for you, but at least for me, it seems like, you know, if, if it does go away or we do start to see that, I think a part of it is uh, the fan experience is going to be different, no? 
For sure. And, and I agree as much as we joke about, you know, Caps Twitter being kind of a disaster sometimes. It is yeah. fun. It's a very fun way to watch games and see other people's reactions unfolding in real time and being able to, even if you're sitting in your apartment by yourself being able to feel like you're still watching the game with other people who care about it as much as you do yeah. and, and building that sense of camaraderie. And I, I do think that if, if things do change, it will make the fan experience different. And, and I, I will, if again, if things change and it goes away, I will miss it because it is a big part of, at least for me, sports fandom in general yeah for sure for sure i agree and uh yeah we'll have to uh see you know and i think i think we all it's worth making a you know commitment you know that we try to you know in any place that we choose to spend our time make sure that we try to make it a supportive and, and positive community as uh, as best we can so i think uh that's good to know um and i guess the the final question i kind of have on a somewhat well, not at all related topic, and I don't really know how I'm going to be able to tie these two together. But um, Alex, <laughs> there is, I get well. Speaking of fandom, uh, that's about the best. I'm going to give myself like a D minus for that. It was pretty lousy. Uh, but <laughs> I, I guess, I guess one thing I'm curious about is you. You came in at, at Capital Fandom at a different time than me, right? I mean, I came in before Ovechkin a little bit, you know, when the Caps were really struggling. And I think you were kind of, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think your your fandom really started kind of in the Ovechkin era, right? It did, yes. Yes. So I guess I'm kind of curious. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the Caps being at the end of an era, right? And I, I mean, you know, say what you will about whether they're a playoff team or not this year. I think it's probably safe to say that the era of the Capitals being a Stanley Cup contender is probably Right. I think it's just that's kind of where we are. So I guess I'm kind of curious, like this might be a time, you know, where the team is in a little bit of transition. And I guess I'm kind of curious, like I've seen that transition, but I think, you know, maybe your generation of fans haven't seen it as much. And I guess I'm kind of curious, like, how do you think that's going to impact things for you as a fan? And and like, how do you think the, the impact of that is going to be a, as a, a capitalist community? Because at the same time, you know, it seems like hockey in the nation's capital is in a lot more stable place than maybe it was, you know, pre-Ovechkin or even before that, right? Like, I, I think, you know, if the Caps struggle a little, I think this is a community that can withstand those kind of struggles and I think still be a kind of exciting, well, maybe not exciting, but, you know, I think a, a still a worthwhile place to spend time. Yeah, even, even if things get bad, we will simply bond <laughs> over the shared misery. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> So it is weird for me to think about that, you know, era, I guess, coming to or approaching its end because I've only known Caps hockey with Alex Ovechkin as, yeah. you know, a, a young millennial. I like that's the Caps hockey that I know. Uh, I, I vividly remember uh, the year Kuznetsov was drafted. They took those really ridiculous photos of all the first round draft picks of the players popping through the curtains. Yep. And I saw that picture of Evgeny Kuznetsov and I said, I'm in, yeah. you know, we're <laughs> diving headfirst into hockey. And, and so that was when I really started paying attention when I was in high school, but 
But it is almost sad to think about that era coming to an end. But I do think, I mean, as long as Alex Ovechkin is in D.C., yeah, nothing is changing because <laughs> I do not want to watch him play. And I think it feels like every every game he does something to remind us that what we are watching is truly, truly special. Yes. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that, but we get to watch Alex Ovechkin play hockey. In and still play incredibly time. well, right? Like, right. you know, he is, is still incredibly effective. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I think you're right. I don't think the fan base is going anywhere. I think that even if the team starts to fall off, like it's looking, they will in the near future. The DC DC sports fans are as a whole very resilient. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've seen a lot of failure. Like we, I think we all have, right? You know, and it's uh, right. not just playoff failure, but also you know you think of the football team, right? You know, sustained multi-decade failure, right? That, right. I don't think the Caps are in a position organizationally uh, where that seems like the most likely thing, at least. Right, and and you know we've like I said earlier with the possibility of bonding over misery a lot of us have already done that um you know those of us who have been Nats fans since they came to DC oh boy (laughs) that that was so hopeless (laughs) that was a struggle um but you know with the cap specifically you know the fans survived so many seasons of playoff disappointment like crushing playoff disappointment But I think that, you know, tapering off and kind of bringing what has been a a surprisingly large Stanley Cup window to a close, I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal as it might have been even like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I would also say, I mean, I think the Capitals winning a Stanley Cup felt really important with that right you know absolutely obviously it would have been great to have more all that but like they at least did it right and I think to me that seems like such a pressure valve that got released that you know I I know that like I I've I think it probably it took me like two or three years to kind of get over the oh you know like whatever they're still cup champions yada yada and I, I in a way I'm almost not over that yet still Right. Like because they did it. Right. And, you know, it's it's, they you know, obviously it's great to see them do it again. But I think that it was just such a special moment for all of us that it in a way, you know, I think it's it it felt like a appropriate climax to things. Right. You know, and I think it was a, a way to kind of say, okay, maybe, you know, it's frustrating to lose in, you know, however many games to the Islanders, you know, couple of years and then you know lose to Bruins or whatever but like I you know at least to me it felt like that was at least a little bit of a pressure valve that kind of got released and I I think it, it is interesting to I guess think about how the cup kind of changed how we all feel about the team absolutely it's almost like there's it's like a yeah there's less pressure you know they yeah. they do some they have a really awful game or someone makes a horrible mistake but nope but at least we still have 2018 yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I can still watch the, uh, I think there's like a YouTube clip of all of the Capitals goals, you know, that they scored during the 2018 mm-hmm. run. And it's, 
I think like 26 minutes long. And you know what? It's amazing. Uh, every time it's I see that, to my, the mood soul. Gets, <laughs> my mood just gets better. It's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, what, a, what, a, what a miracle. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, with, with that, uh, Alex, this has been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed having you on. I want to I want to get you on a few more times this year. It's, uh, it's, it's been a blast. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yeah. Okay, so where can people uh, find you and your various musings on things? Because you have actually been writing for Japers uh, lately. I have I have not. I'm going to blame being in Europe. Uh, and I still <laughs> do the podcast, so I guess I'm, I'm okay here. But, uh, but, but where can people find you and your, your various works and, and thoughts on things? Yeah, uh, I am on Japer Drink. I do recaps. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AlexIrvin928. You can come yell about hockey games with me. Uh, and shameless plug, you can also find me on TikTok. I make caps content. Uh, my handle is HoltBased instead of HoltBased. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> but... If you need some Caps-related content on your For You page on Twitter, come find me. I, I think I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> there you go. No, no, no. You are, you are one of my favorite Twitter followers. And I mean that sincerely. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed kind of kind of having you on and getting to interact with you, kind of both on your podcast and on Twitter. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, with that, um, you can find me at Y underscore JR. I've been a little quiet on Twitter lately. Uh, I I think I'm, I'm kind of feeling out how things are, you know, since the must takeover and everything like that. And uh, I've kind of been busy, you know, with some personal stuff lately, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm planning to get back on things and, uh, we um you can find so you can find me at Greg Y underscore JR. You can find the show at, at Japers Drink Radio. And uh next week, um I have a few different options for guests. I'm trying to figure out uh scheduling how it might work. Uh we might have a show with uh JP and Adam again. So we'll get to get to kind of revise that. But uh with that, uh, you know, we look forward to uh talking with you next week and uh, uh stay stay tuned. <laughs>